Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're coming to you Wednesday night, right before UFC 263. Two title fights on the docket this weekend, along with, I don't want to call it a BMF title, but uh, Nate Diaz is in the arena again. A little news and notes special, maybe about Nick Diaz coming up. But before we get there, let's talk about last week. We had a Danny with a perfect sweep minus a DQ. I wouldn't say perfect. Definitely a sweep, lots of units. But as our listeners know, that that ankle lock didn't go exactly how we thought. It went exactly how we thought it would right. until the very end. And Kobe, for DQ, though. just want to make for, that clear. For ankle lock, are we just pretending it never happened or are we doing a dash one at the end? It didn't happen. It's a no contest. Right. So shouldn't it be a dash one? <laughs> We're 16 sure. dash nine dash one. Sure. Um, a little long. And then we also have a full panel this evening with Parker in the house as well. What's up, Pico de Gallo? How you doing? doing Good. Well. We, got a, we, we definitely have some pronunciations on the docket, so stay seated. And we're definitely going to have at least one when we talk about this week's Ultimate Fighter. And I'm sure this card's going to have some up names as well, so I'm excited. I don't think I'm ever going to get better at these. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. It's just different degrees of bad. With that being said, I do have some topics of discussion for last week's card. First of which being kind of a call to Dana White, a little bit of a call to Trevor Whitman. I know Danny's going to go off about this, but it, it has to do with our ankle lock. Mason Jones was absolutely annihilating Alan Patrick as expected. And Mason Jones poked him in the eye just once. Wasn't even going to get a point taken. It was the first eye poke of the round. Came in the second round. Alan Patrick, after getting his ass whooped for seven and a half minutes, decides, I want out of here. I'm going to take this out. At this point, as a fan, I'm just upset with the fact that this is still happening. We lost a main event with Jeremy Stevens, Yair Rodriguez. We lost a main event with a guy fighting this, two guys fighting this week with Bilal Muhammad and Leon Edwards. We lose fight after fight after fight to eye pokes and they become no contests or DQs. And Trevor Whitman has the answer. For those who don't know, Trevor Whitman has developed a glove that prevents all eye pokes. I mean, what do we do from, what do we do about this from here? Because I, as a fan, I'm, I'm, done losing fights to the same issue over and over and over again that can be prevented. Dana doesn't want to give a contract. He doesn't want to outsource the contract for UFC equipment to non-UFC facilities. Self either. Like then let's not outsource it. Let's just use similar or something. Because the problem is, is do you really think that outsourcing it is going to cost Dana more money than losing main events? I mean, we've lost two main events in the last what, two years. And that's, just off the top of my head. I mean, in Mexico, they were literally throwing shit into the arena at Jeremy Stevens because of the eye poke against Yair. I mean, it's like, it's not like it's, it's not like once in a blue moon and you just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's kind of a problem. I mean, this seemingly is happening at least once a fight card. 
or every other. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, it happened in the first round of Izzy Vittori won. Yeah, um, could have changed whatever, but I agree with you. I, I, I don't want any more eye pokes. I, I wish that we had these gloves. Um, it, it's Dana's stubbornness that's not getting it to them, and there's really and no, it's, no, nothing it's else. frustrating. And then, I guess, also speaking of Dana's stubbornness, really quick, very don't we're not going to stay too long on this, but fighter pay. I, I, Parker, keep yourself muted for this one because we're going to talk the Paul fight. Um, after the Logan Paul Mayweather fight, fighters are get are pissed. They're like, holy shit, they made millions of dollars for a spectacle, and I'm over here making twenty five thousand dollars, putting my life on the line for a real sport. Twenty five thousand dollars if I win, fifteen if yeah, I show, or ten, which I think is one of the dumbest things. So, is this an issue that you think we're just going to wait for the Dana White regime to be over for the gloves and the fighter pay and? whatever else or is this just something that eventually the fans are going to just have enough and the fighters are going to have enough i don't know i I really don't know how we're going to get out of it with the ufc just being as predominant as it is or prominent as it is um somehow we're gonna we need a real overhaul in the sport yeah overhaul. we'll touch more on it later when we get to the some of the news and notes especially that of paula costa if you haven't heard quite yet Continuing on with last week's card, I want to talk about the heavyweight division here for a second. And if you guys who want to chime in can get the rankings up for heavyweight. We have last week, there were a lot of heavyweight fights. There was the main event, uh, Rosenstrike Sakai, the co-main event, Walt Harris, Marcin Tibera. And then there also was the prelim main event with a, a prospect in Tanner Bozer versus uh, the gatekeeper that is now at heavyweight, Elir Latifi. And so heavyweight's a division that we constantly on this show talk about how it's it's thin, it's top-heavy, there's very little movement in there. Uh, you've lost some people recently with uh, Verdum, Overeem, uh, uh, DC. So Stipe's on his way out. So I, I, I pose the question to you guys. Really quickly, we got uh, Elar Latifi upset over Tanner Bozer, Jair Rosenstroik first round KO with a second left against Sakai, and then Marcin Tibera just absolutely dominating Walt Harris. Where, wh- what do you guys think of the current standings in the heavyweight division, and and where do you see this going from here? Any any fights to make on your docket, or any any takeaways? Just just talking heavyweights from from last week. Is- do the rankings even matter behind Ngannou right now? That's kind of just the end, end all be all of the situation. It's, it's yeah, Ngannou well, and everybody else. Uh, I'll tell you, there's a couple names that I have circled, and Tybero's kind of one of them. The Tybero yeah. showed something there, but obviously Cyril Gan. I know that's a name that that Danny and Reese, you guys both love on this from the pod. Um, He's gone from being unranked all the way up to three this week. Well, so here's the problem with Cyril Gan: Do him and Ngannou fight each other? I think they're going to have to. It. it, it it sucks that they're coming out of the same gym and that they're so close growing yeah, like, like the, the French connection. So close. Yeah. Yeah. But I really think that it's got like you, you said it was steep on his way out. Derek Lewis is not a young spry individual anymore by any. Okay. Means. So Derek Lewis has the next fight against Ngannou. That's going to yeah. be. And, and, and that's one that already was a stinker, but I'm assuming Dana. But White if we're talking the next generation of heavyweight, but yeah, it, we're talking. Okay. Ngannou, it's, it's, 
Chris Blades, who's gotten knocked out twice by him. Blades got knocked out twice by him, and there's only so much you can do because Blades obviously relies on his wrestling. Biggie Boy is is on the wrong side of 30 and is kind of raw still. I mean, he he got his crazy power, but you saw him exposed against Overeem. I mean, it's – I mean, are we seriously looking at a at a Chris Dawkins leading the the young guys? I guess Tom Aspinall's a nice name, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I I hopefully would like to see maybe an upcoming Ultimate Fighter season or or some Contender Series heavyweights. I think oh. uh, if there's no Ultimate Fighter season, if there's there might be some mid level light heavyweights moving up, taking advantage of the, the speed advantage. Well, John Jones is already doing that. Well, he's talking about doing that. He's been talking about doing that for years. That's that's John Jones at this point, a lot of talk. Um, But, like, who could really go up to heavyweight? Uh, Jan's not going to do it. Prohoshka seems comfortable there. Dom Reyes could move. Maybe Vulcan Ozdemir. Johnny Walker, maybe. I guess Ryan Spann, maybe, but – I don't know. It's a Ink Live taking the belt from Jan and then moving up to become double champ. That could happen. It's just the reason why I bring it up is because this weekend, really, that was a headline for me is this heavyweight division with three heavyweight fights on that card. And it it didn't really do much. I mean, I think it made Biggie Boy back in discussion from being a fight or two away, probably two fights away, realistically. Um, and then Walt Harris is probably going to be one of my pink slips for the week. But like, can Danny even do it with the state of the heavyweight division? I don't think. He's I don't still know. ranked. You can't cut him. How is he ranked though? He's dropped what four or five? Bad too, like pretty do- in dominant fashion. He really gassed. Got a three fight skin first round. And then and then you got Eler Latifi, who's literally should be in the body of a middleweight taking out a, a top prospect for the heavyweights. It, it, this weekend did not, to me, did not show. I mean, they were exciting fights, but it just showed to me, I think my biggest takeaway was the disarray that this heavyweight division's in. For sure. There's Nganu, I mean, Nganu's at the position that we see in women's flying bantamweight. Of, you know, start your open parlay and start picking Nganu for the rest of his career. Seriously. Like, I don't know how, unless Stipe can somehow do it again, I, I don't see anyone getting close. I don't see anyone getting close. With well, that being said. See what happens with Sirogan. I'm not ready to write off Sirogan. He's got so much work, though. He's so raw still. But he's young, and he's – He could maybe um, win off a decision. Like physically, a he can match up with him. So, it's, yeah. it's I'm not ready to write him off. More than anyone Hero's else. Hero's the only guy. Yeah, I agree. I think we all are kind of on that – that same it sucks that he's probably going to meet him in the next two years though i think less yeah i think less i mean if nganu's trying to stay active i don't know how dana can give it to anyone else in the heavyweight division other than cyril because there's literally no one deserving it's a weird spot but this weekend really took that away from me let's talk prospects quick danny roman delice decision over starpoli Starpoli, like you, uh, you, you drilled this one on the head from last week. You were talking about how the size difference was going to be dramatic, and it, and it showed. But what were your takeaways from that Delice fight? Yeah, obviously it was a boring one. Um, if you're not like, I mean, it was a boring one. That you're, was generous. You're a I fan know, of anything? 
boring's generous. <laughs> yeah. Um, Roman figured out what worked. He said, I'm bigger and stronger than you. I'm going to grab you by a body lock and not let go and figure out how to get out of it. And for a guy like Staropoli, who's pretty much just an explosive striker, it's, it's tough to get out of it. He, he doesn't have that grappling background. He, he like, like we've been hammering home. He's weaker than Roman and Roman's world-class wrestler. Like he, he's shown his grappling potentials in his other fights. And it just, as I mentioned last episode, shot himself in the foot rolling for heel hooks and shit because he wants to be exciting. This fight he threw I, that out the window. I'm just not as excited for Roman as I was when he was making his debut. I think I sour more on more on him week in, week out. I think he's very beatable. Is I don't know if he showed that at all this week. Is Boyd to like stop guy for well, it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like like I don't want to channel my inner Dana, but it's kind of like realistically Roman should be finishing a guy like Starpoli. He's significantly smaller, and Roman realistically should, is is better everywhere. I mean, so, he just didn't even try to. People were saying the same stuff about Kamaru for the first ten fights of his career. Kamaru was significant. I, I got so where who do you give Roman next? I get your matchmaker for a day. Hmm. You give him a rank guy, a guy just outside the top fifteen. Yeah, I think you test him. It's, it's someone, someone with experience, someone just outside the tip, top fifteen, or maybe. I mean, I think recently ranked. I think ten through fifteen for middleweights. I think. I mean, obviously, Weidman is is going to drop out from long term injury, but I think all all those guys are gamers. I, I really think any one of them will will give him a fight. I, I mean, Holland, we know will. Omar, I kind of think he'd ragdoll Holland. He would ragdoll Holland. He would ride to Holland. Brad Tavares would be interesting, but he'd probably ride. He'd probably do something very similar. I'd like to see Omariak Medov a little bit. I mean, that yeah, would be kind of cool. I would like to see that. I mean, we know how I feel about Chris Weidman if he ever gets back on his feet. No pun intended. And then pivoting quickly to another middleweight prospect, Dusko Todorovic versus Gregory Rodriguez on short notice. Rodriguez kind of dominated him for three straight rounds there. Dusko, a guy who came off the contender series, so we know Dana has a little more leash for guys like that. His big, his big knock was he leaves his hands low and his chin up. But I wasn't that impressed. And for a guy to come in on short notice as a big dog and, and just work him like that, I was, I definitely was taken back by that. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. I, this is no longer a guy I've circled as an up and coming prospect by any means i, I kind of think he's going to middle out um we've said there's a lot of holes in his game and he, he you said it, he got dominated he made he made this out guys guy look like a real prospect like dominated dominated yeah mm-hmm. it was not good um and then the last kind of thing i wanted to talk about was not dead last but before our usual segments of of getting over pink slips. Mannion Foro, Foyo, Foro, whatever we called it. I Dan- thought it was Foro, but they were saying Fuoro. on the broadcast Fioro, so I'm going to go with Fioro. From he said like Fuoro three different names on the broadcast. Um, But Dan, you were dead on the mark. I mean, dead, dead on the mark. It, who, I mean, she's obviously 
the women's flyweight or women's division as a whole tend to be a little stagnant, but this girl's made a name for herself. I mean, she talk about yeah. piecing somebody apart. No, it's, it's her and Miranda Maverick, who are the two women I have very much circled as t- future tighter, title contenders. Um, and that, that was, I mean, she put on a clinic. She hits like a truck, that body kick to like just measure distance. And she almost uses like a jab to initiate combos. I mean, it's filthy. No, it, it's, it's, it's actually a masterclass. It really is. But you have – so you have uh, Montana De La Rosa who fought on the main card. She's 15th. She came from unranked. Was one of my picks. She had a wrestling onslaught. I mean, it was literally a, a master class of wrestling and ended up getting the KOTK on the second round over Ariana Lipsky, who's, who's, who's no slouch. You got Macy Barber at 13. You got, I mean, this is Miranda Maverick, your girl at 14. I mean, you got to eye top 15 for her. What about uh, KGB Lee next? I think it'd be an awesome fight for her. That'd be an awesome fight. I think that'd be, that'd be so, an awesome fight. That'd be, that'd be a sweet fight. And I think, I think PRO gets it done. I agree. For a long time, for those who don't know or haven't been following the sport for a long time, it was strawweight and bantamweight. And this flyweight is a newer addition to the UFC. And it's, it's honestly turned out nicely. I mean, it was made for Shevchenko, obviously. But if you look at the listing from top down, I mean, think about the names we just named from, from 10 to 15. Alexa Grasso, KGB Lee, Talia Santos, Macy Barber, Miranda Maverick, and Montana De La Rosa. I mean, that is a deep division. And but then they're, they're surrounded by, like, the Roxies and the – I mean, the Lauren Murphys, but. I mean, Lauren Murphys, who knows? I mean, I, I've been kind of impressed with her. She's aging, but. Yeah. I'll I mean, get into it when she fights later. Yeah, we'll see a new regime. Not my favorite fighter. Yeah, I, we'll, we're, we're, we'll get into it as we see a new regime. Um, oh, and Dan, our analysis cashed, our upset cash. Santiago Ponzinibbio got the job done. And we had a couple guys lose their, their zeros, their undefeated streak. Miguel Baeza lost his zero to Santiago Ponzinibbio. And then on the uh, preliminary card as well, we had, who was it? Oh, it was uh, Jordan Levitt. He, he, he was 8-0. Now he's 8-1 after dropping it to uh, Claudio Poyas. Poilos. Whatever the fuck. Ponzinibbio Baeza fight was so awesome. Those what? guys just wouldn't stop swinging. It was a blast. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Santiago didn't go down after the first round. It seemed like his leg was destroyed. Crazy. Did do you guys know who got performance slash fight of the nights yet? I do. You do. I got to assume that it was fight of the night Pons, probably a performance of the night Biggie Boy, and then maybe a performance of the night either Foirot or like you got it dead on. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it was. Oh, see, I I would have said. I would have said same thing for fight of the night and performance, but I would have given another performance bonus to Tibera. I mean, he dismantled Walters. It was, I mean, I guess he did get stunned for a split second, but like yeah, at the beginning of that Walters fight, Walters came out real fast, real strong. That's Walters. That's Walters. Yeah. Every time he did that to the ream too, but like Tibera, once I thought I was gonna hit that sub prop in the MCC because once he got the back, I was like, oh, just go for the choke instead of the TKO. But that's not in his blood. Um, and then last thing is always where we finish up pink slips, boys. You're Dana. You're trimming the fat off this, this shit sandwich. 
who, who's getting the pink slips? I, I'm giving one to Walt Harris for sure. I've been beyond disappointed. I think this was such an easy fight to cap. I laid Tibera, but Walt Harris got has dropped to Tibera Volkov and Overeem last three. I guess dropping three straight does that actually cut it for a guy for a division? So he's low? still ranked on uh, today on Wednesday, so I can't see him getting cut. I mean, uh, he's cut ranked people before. He's done it. I mean, a three fight but ranked you- old people. Any other division, I think Walt's gone. We just talked about how shallow this heavyweight division. Yeah, you're right. Any other division. True. Okay. So, let's say For me, Walt- the only person is Tabitha Ricci, and it's not so much a pink slip as it is just to bump back down to LFA for probably a couple more years, maybe three or four more fights, and we could see her back again. But, uh, yeah, she was I, not yeah. the same caliber. Why would she really? No, but she also drew, like, an absolute – like, what a tough draw for your UFC debut. Right. I would give her a little more. Um, it's tough. I offer, yeah. Oh, as Kobe was about to say, like she's she's got to be at band or at Adam weight. There's got to yeah. be an Adam weight division for girls like her, girls like Loma. Um, they look I, so I, size. I wouldn't hold your breath for it though. I think we're still a little ways away from Dana trying to do that. I've got a pink slip. Let's hear it. I think you're gonna say the guy that I'm thinking. The guy that was on the fence, grabbing the fence all the time before taking the easy way out of the Mason Jones fight. Can we give it to Alan? Oh, you, that was not who I was thinking, but I don't hate that. Um, Alan Patrick, can you cut him off a no contest though? (laughs) I mean, everyone knows he took the easiest way out. He wasn't putting up a really even competitive fight in the first round there. And I mean, in 2018, four times, was it five times that he was grabbing the fence? And then the first eye poke, I get, you can't see, you can't fight, but like, we're talking like little violations here. I mean, right here we got 2018 Scott Holtzman. He, he TKO'd him. Then a two-year layoff just to lose to Bobby Green by unanimous decision, then took the easy way out. I would be intrigued to see if Alan Patrick gets gets cut. The one that I want to bring to the table, my boy, Yusuf Salal. Is he going anywhere? I mean, he did lose a split decision, but he has now dropped three straight after beating guys like Jordan Griffin and Peter Barrett. I mean, after like, I mean, can we look back on this right now and just applaud ourselves? He was a minus one sixty favorite over Ilya Topuria. That was the smack the shit out of that underdog play. That was the freest of cheese. Ilya Topuria though is like such a tough draw for Yusuf. Like that guy's a beast. But then he lost to uh, Wu Choi and then also now Sean Woodson, who I do not like Sean Woodson, by the way. I think he is extremely beatable and exploitable. I mean, I know he's got length for days, but, like... That's kind of about all he's got. Literally all he got. He's so fucking raw. And if you can close the distance on him... I mean, Julian Arosa did it. I mean, that, it was a veteran play, but, like... And he was getting fucked on. But Anyways, I, I think that does it for us. The pink slip's... We're not as bad last week as, as most weeks. Maybe Ternaldo. Um, That's my last edition. Ternaldo's getting up there in age. He, he looked all right against yeah, Alan Connor. He, he get outclassed. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple potential pink slips. It'll be interesting to see come next week if we got any right. We have been pretty on the money recently with the last couple fights. We've drilled almost every one. Um, okay, with that being said, I know – Kobe has a absolute scroll of news and notes. So he might as well get started on chipping away. Yeah, let's, let's roll through these quick. 
Uh, Clarissa Shields making her MMA debut tom- or tomorrow, I guess today when this airs with PFL. There's- yeah, so so that is news. So just really quickly, what you have on the schedule if you're trying to watch other events, you have PFL tomorrow, which would be today, which is Thursday. You have, yeah, so 20 hours Thursday, you have one championship. And then Invicta and Bellator are Friday. And then UFC is on Saturday. So if you are a fan of the sport, not just the UFC, you have more than enough entertainment this weekend with every big promotion really getting a, uh, getting a card out there. Sorry to cut you off, Kobe. Continue. Um, we had tough episode two. We had number one overall pick, Mitch Raposo, take an L2, and I'll turn it over to Park for this one for our pronunciation of the week. Park, who, who beat Mitch Raposo in tough this week? I think his first name's Ludwig. Last name is Sholinian. Sholinian. My, my, my tongue doesn't do that, but... It's pretty close. You I'm pretty sure it's Ludovic. It is, it is Ludovic. We, and the reason why I knew that is because of Ludovic Klein from a couple weeks ago. Right. That's how I knew the first name. Ah. And um, I don't think it's as crazy of a name. I mean, I heard, I heard you know, the guys on Tough talking about it and that you know, there's no guarantee that that's exactly pronounced, pronounced correctly, but they're calling him Shalinian the whole time, so. Shalinian, yeah. I mean, this Tough – so really quickly before we get farther in news and notes, what are your guys – uh, overall opinions on the t- return of tough. Reese down 0-2 to Danny in the Malort bet. Yeah, I'm not tragic. We, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I thought that this episode was a little bit more of a snooze than last one, besides yeah, the fight being better. Um, but it was a good fight. We need more, like, extracurriculars, coaches' challenges, stuff. Yeah, dude, last season, the last season they had before they took a little layoff, I felt the same way, like, you watch the older seasons and you're always on the edge of your seat because these guys are just absolute fucking savages. And now it's it's so much about their background and their story and like home videos that it's a little less like I'm, I it's you might be invested in the fighter more, but it's not as entertaining. A part of that is just the state of the sport. You've got guys that are amateurs, but they're taking their life seriously as professionals. There's there's no one like. I mean, you see in the earlier season, the guys busting through the booze cabinet are just like absolutely housing beer every night. You right. don't see that. You see these guys taking their diet seriously. You see these guys taking their training seriously. They're acting professional, um, trying to become professionals. Yeah. yeah I, like, it makes take- a lot more sense, but no, it makes a for huge- a little bit worse TV. That's a huge takeaway that I actually didn't even think about until you just said it. But like from a whole standpoint, you're right. Every single person on there – I mean, you get a you get the very occasional hothead who who's just an absolute freak. But it's you're right. It it's gotten it shows how far the sports come from the earlier seasons of tough till now. Just and I I, I do. I mean, Mitch Raposo is getting rounds in with Rob Font, and he can't make it past his first fight. That guy wins pretty pre- rounds in with Edmund Shabazian. It's crazy. These guys all have such good bases and fundamental now. And it's also less of like when you watch older seasons, you see people being like either having multiple jobs or people being like, what are you doing with your life? And now it's like understood. It's like, Oh, you're trying to be a fighter. I get that dude. Here's your regimen. Here's your gym. You know what I mean? There's so many gyms, coaches, relationships. It's, I love to see it. The sports got, and I think the sport honestly is just in the beginning phases too. Oh yeah. Next item. 
This week we've got Felder replacing DC on the call with Anakin Rogan for UFC 263. I don't know that it's a permanent replacement, but we also have Hawani leaving ESPN. And obviously Hawani and DC have worked together and have podcasts together for their show. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if Cormier ended up leaving ESPN too, but I think I might just be jumping to conclusions and connecting dots that maybe aren't there, but. It'll definitely be something worth like monitoring. I, yeah. I you're not, you, you said that before we hit the record button and it definitely took me for a second. I was like, hey, that actually could be right. So yeah, if, if it is right, you heard it here first. If it's wrong, we were just speculating. Uh, this is a fun one for Danny in particular. I know that he just got up to go grab another beverage, but he, he's around. We have Overeem, who left UFC just recently. Uh, he signed with Glory, kind of getting back to his kickboxing roots. So that'll be fun to keep an eye on. Dan, I know that you were uh, taking a quick look and seeing who they might be able to match him up with quick. Anybody exciting? Yeah, I did say I would take a look, and I did not take a look. Um, there's definitely <laughs> some awesome matchups. Um whether they have him do a traditional Muay Thai fight with some elbows and knees involved or back to his actual roots with just the, uh, just pure European kickboxing. Um, I'd love to see it either way. And you know that the entire kickboxing community is going to tune in um, whether it's Petrosian or, or anyone, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. The real question too is does Overeem ever stop? I mean, let's just be honest for a second. Like, am I going to be telling my kids like, Oh, you see that man right there? I used to watch him fight, and and he's still going. You know what I mean? Like, it, and also another note, quick, like a little asterisk. Overeem very with it, like mentally, like no signs of mental decay at all. Like, you know, Mark Hunt slurs his words and shit. Overeem's like, he's 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 on top of his shit. I mean, he's I don't know what the fuck that guy's built from. He's built that longer, Tom Brady or him? That, right, we're actually at that point right now. We're like, who is going to go longer? I. I want to say Tim Brady, but with Ubering, you actually never know. A couple of fight announcements. We have Kelvin Gastelum replacing Paula Costa against Jared Cannonier. That's what, August 21st. Yeah, and we hinted towards that earlier in the program, but it it's it has to do with fighter pay. And I, you know, after Costa called out Izzy in the way he did and to get absolutely embarrassed to the way he did and then sit on the sidelines. He's turning more into a Colby Covington type spectacle than he is an active fighter going after the belt, in my opinion. I mean, we haven't seen Colby in a while either. I, they're so focused on their personas and making real money, which I respect, but you 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 see them drifting away from, from the actual fan of the sport, I, I believe. And then the last piece of news and notes here, Till Brunson is being pushed – couple weeks to september 4th speculation is that that will be a live event in london which would be awesome that'd be a fun one to have in london okay i, Kobe and I were discussing uh hopefully there's fans there because there's absolutely nothing like a hometown darren till walk out all the liverpool fans. i know it's gonna be in london but all the liverpool fans um singing sweet caroline it's just nothing like it I, I have two quick ones uh we talked about it on set the spread i believe we just touched on it for a second but he actually answered our question. Damian Maya, we were talking about like, oh, we thought his last fight was the potential retirement fight. And then we were thinking, oh, well, this one definitely is. His answer is he's aware that this might be his last fight, uh, but he would really like one more. Direct quote from him. He, he said he'd really like one more, but he's aware at going into this fight that this, this might be his last. So we'll see. 
It's the kind of an, goes keep an eye out for those gloves. Yeah, it's going to be an evolving story. And then the other thing, I don't, I don't think we touched on it, but uh, Pettis withdraws from PFL this week. I didn't know. I didn't that. see what happened. Um, I didn't see what happened either. I just know, uh, it just says due to illness. I, I have the article up now. Yeah, hope he's okay. But yeah, whether it, talk I mean, about a but, rapid fall from grace. Yeah, um, from Wheaties box to falling out of PFL main events after a loss. You almost think okay. if he doesn't break his hand fighting Nate Diaz, he wins that fight and he's not you know, on the sky anymore. Ferguson? Was that Tony Ferguson or Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz. And I think Tony Ferguson too. Yeah, probably. I think he did. And I remember. No, he broke his foot against Nate Diaz. He broke yeah. his hand against Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. And he was winning that Tony Ferguson fight. He could have won both. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have. It just shows how unforgiving this sport can be. And now he's on that latter side in age but yeah i mean three years ago today you told me both the pettis brothers are out of the ufc i'd be like no way but sergio's over in bellator and that was part of the flyway strip and then now pettis is over in pfl so you like to see the mix-ups uh so that's it for news and notes and then danny ready to gear into this this next week's card you got all you got all the notes up let's get it born ready uh we do so our ankle lock push last week which is crazy, but it happened because we were getting, we were destroying the fight, but it all comes around. So this weekend it's UFC 263. And finally we have a later card again. I mean, last week's card actually ended by 9 PM central. I was so disappointed. I was like, what am I going to do the rest of my night? I was drunk and I was out of fights at nine. It's crazy. This week's a little different. Uh, the early prelims start at 5 PM central on ESPN the prelims start at 7 p.m. Central, also on ESPN, and the main card, as expected, will be pay-per-view. So starting off with the early prelims, we have a heavyweight bout, speaking of the division that we touched on a little bit here today. A former, fuck, I think welterweight, Jake Collier is fighting Carlos Philippe at heavyweight, and... The line on that, Jean, is Carlos Philippe minus 170, Jake Collier plus 150. Philippe opened at minus 312 and has come all the way down to minus 170 to make this an actual line. And by opened, I have it as back as May 14th. So whether it opened even longer than that, I, I don't know. But crazy line movement there on the on the curtain jerker for the heavyweights dan let's hear your thoughts yeah big heavyweights punching each other in the face uh we got fat collier as you said he used to be skinny a couple weight divisions ago um i i mean there's there's not a lot of deep analysis to do here it's big heavyweights punching in the face i think philippe has the better cardio and so i lean philippe um the interesting here thing here for me is that you've got fight doesn't go to decision at plus money, which is interesting for these big heavyweights that are not planning on grappling whatsoever. They're going to meet in the middle and punch each other until one of them's done punching. And uh, the odds makers think that they're going to go a full 15 minutes without someone falling, which is interesting. I, I don't love playing at all, but definitely not throwing big plays on heavyweights. But the under could be a really interesting thing. Under two and a half at plus 150 and the fight not to go to decision plus 110. So both of these guys are bottom, bottom of the barrel heavyweights. The one thing that I do want to note, and, and I think it is important, 
is you got a guy in Collier who maybe he was a middleweight is a welterweight or middleweight. I don't totally remember, but he used to be skinnier. We'll, we'll middle say middleweight. Sounds, yeah, middle sounds better or more accurate, more, more likely. Accurate. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's – I know we definitely fought at, at, at middle at one point. You would guess that Philippe is the bigger fighter, right? I mean, a guy coming from middleweight versus a natural heavyweight. It's actually wrong. Not only does Philippe give three inches in height, but he also gives three and a half inches in reach. And they're both similar in weight. So that was the one thing that was really surprising to me when I was digging deep into this line, really trying to figure out the movement. I think at 312 or 300 or even in the 200s, I think you can easily bet Collier. He's got experience. He's got the size as well. And both of these guys, I wouldn't say, are like off the board. Wow, these guys are talented, right? I just, I think at this line being so close to, I mean, it's over 100 points, 150 points off where it was. I, I think it's a no bet for me. Yeah. Conclusion? Yeah. Not much to say, not, not much to take. Lightweight bout, or yeah, lightweight bout. I know, Dan, Danny, I know you got something to say about this. Ferez Zaim versus Luigi Vendramini. Yeah, this is uh, Zayam coming off a win over Jamie Malarkey. Line, line is 135 versus Zayam, plus 115 for Luigi. Uh, it, his last fight was an interesting one where Malarkey – initiated takedowns and Malarkey is not a good grappler um, but he tried to grapple with Zayam the whole time kind of playing into Zayam's realm um, Benjamini will not do that he should be, I mean he, he's going to be the bigger man in the ring he's a former welterweight great KO power decent grappling ability um, I don't see this being dictated by Faraz um, I'm probably going to bet, bet Benjamini I like him at that plus 115 um you'll see that'll see my card so you heard it here first it'll see your card and, and this line didn't have a lot of movement at all it, it opened it at 130 for Saeem. now it's it's 135 so not that big of a deal i would say i have similar takeaways as you the the only thing is i think Saeem's ride off from jamie malarkey is is throwing cappers for a little bit of a loop here because i believe hold on i can pull it up here in a second um oh yeah no so he was he so he was uh minus 235 wait where was the big one oh no i guess i guess he's staying true to line sorry i thought he was going to be closer to uh even oh okay my bad so when it closed Malarkey closed at minus 125. It opened at plus 200. But so Zaim was going into the fight an underdog and pulled off the victory. And so I do wonder, Dan, if you think that that, that win over Malarkey is, is pulling this line a little bit high, higher. I think it is. And, and I said yeah. that was a weird one for me. I, I didn't think it showed that Zayam is some world beater and at, at, by any means. I think that he's super beatable and he's going to get beat by a bigger guy here. It's going to be tough to grapple a bigger, stronger man, and the Benjamini is a striking advantage. And and stay tuned to uh, at Ankle Pick Pod, not only on Twitter, but also on the Instagram. We're hip now because 
both Danny and I will post our official plays over there. And it sounds like Luigi's going to find his spot on both of our cards, which is always exciting. Those usually hit when we both have the same guy that, that usually hits. Moving up is a featherweight bout. Now, this one I, I have something on. Chase Hooper, uh, a.k.a. Mini Ben Askren, 10-1-1, fighting Steven Peterson. And the line on this one is Chase Hooper plus 100, Steven Peterson minus 120. Steven Peterson was as high as minus 150 against this young prospect in Chase Hooper. Danny, I'll let you kick it off. Sure, yeah, this one to me is simple. I know that uh, you've got a – a pretty big opinion on it, but I, if this one stays standing, Peterson's going to win. If Hooper can get him down, I think he'll get the sub and the win. Um, I think it's going to be tough to get Peterson down, but I think there will be a finish here either way, whether it's a the knockout from Peterson or Hooper. Under two and a half at minus one ten is a, a decent thing or a decent play. I like that number. Um, it, it really feels like Hooper is that experiment that kind of went wrong. Uh, they, they had him super young in a developmental contract. He was the, he's been the youngest guy on the roster for a while. Um, and it, it really seems like he, he's not well-rounded enough to be fighting at the highest level. It's my thought. Exactly. So he's, he's 21 years old as, as Danny mentioned. And I think that that's a big spot to take Steven Peterson here. Although the record is not as flashy, you have the experience edge Peterson, the stand-up edge Peterson. If it does hit the mat, you worry. But if you look, what's really nice is they both have similar fights recently to Alex Caceres. They both lost. And you can really see where each one struggles, where each one can have success. But that Peter Barrett fight, and I, I'm not sure, I believe Peter Barrett's cut now from the UFC. It wouldn't surprise me if he's cut from the UFC. Yeah, he is. He's fighting in Cage Titans next after dropping two in a row, but Chase Hooper was losing to him until he pulled off that submission. And so I don't see anything that Peter Barrett has in his uh, arsenal that Steven Peterson doesn't have. That's also better. And so if he can stay out of the submission, I think it's a very, very easy fight for him to win here. And so it'll probably see my card for maybe even a two unit play here. So stay tuned again over at angle pick pod on Twitter Love the confidence. And Instagram. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I might even throw it in a little parlay piece. This is one that jumped off the screen at me. Just being such a close line and having such a big age difference and striking advantage. I mean, every round starts on the feet, baby. Um, okay, continuing up the card. And we're going off the Google card for any of those following along. we got a lightweight bout. Matt Frivola against Terrence, Terrence McKinney. And I believe... This is a, a short notice sub in, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, most certainly a short notice sub in. This is supposed yeah. to be for Vola, Frank Camacho. Camacho uh, Frank Camacho right. got into a car accident. And so Camacho out, McKinney in. Uh, that being said, McKinney's a guy I did not do a ton of taping for. I do think that Steamroller for Vola is gonna roll over this prospect on short notice. Um, but I, I can't even tell you two things about this guy's skill set so this so i'm gonna really bear, i'm in like the exact same spot so the car uh frank camacho obviously thoughts going with him i hope he's all right i know he uh posted on social media saying that he is in fact good he got into this car crash on tuesday night so i didn't even find out mckinney subbed in until late yesterday 
early today. So I also, I think the line might've just came out. It's Matt Favola minus 300 Terrence McKinney plus 240. But like, like Danny said, I, I have little to add to this fight at this moment. I mean, I know Matt Favola well, which makes me think that this line is, is probably pretty accurate, but I, I have no idea what to expect out of this McKinney guy. I mean, he's, he's come off a couple straight wins in LFA and he's making his, his, shot on the big scene after losing to Sean Woodson on the contender series. He fought Derek Minner and also lost via quick sub. So I I don't believe he belongs in the UFC, but I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. And, and that, that Sarukian lost that Frivola had is, I mean, it's, it's Sarukian. That's not something that I hold against him. I think that he's going to come out pissed and he's going to get back in the win column. Yeah, as he should. And that's a good learning experience for him. I mean, Jalen Turner's a phenomenal win. Luis Pena's a good win that's aged quite well. So I'm excited to see this one. I think the 300 might be able to be a parlay piece, but I don't want to advise anyone to to fully bet it without knowing more about McKinney McKinney first. So again, Twitter's the best spot to go if you want to see where the official plays lie. And capping off the early prelims, we're going to have a long night of fights. It's a woman bantamweight bout between Penny Kins, Penny Kynes, versus Alexis Davis. We all know Alexis Davis. I don't know who this Kynesad is. I'm gonna have to look her up. But Alexa Davis is plus one sixty five. Kynesad minus one ninety. Yeah, uh, Reese. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit surprised you're not aware of Pian or Penny Kynesad. Um, I think we've talked about her last two fights both the Betts Cohea and the Sajara Eubanks fights we definitely did I I I am color me an idiot continue I mean take this one over I but she no she's she's a clean striker um I said against the in her Sajara win that she'd get the advantage on the feet um she's probably going to get the better of Alexis Davis on the feet here she's got good takedown defense not great um on the other side Davis looked pretty good in her last fight for the first time in a while, she hasn't looked great, but she looked good. Um, she has fought absolutely everybody in his her career. She's got a huge experience advantage here, um, but all, she's also the older and probably slower fighter against Kianzad. Uh, one thing I've noticed, she's got a, a, a knockout over the GOAT, Amanda Nunez. Not a lot of people can have that on their resume. <laughs> Our listeners know how I feel. Dog or pass. You can play Davis here, and I, and I won't bat an eye. Um, I think that she can definitely make this fight ugly and ground, grind it out. But as Reese just said, every every round starts on the feet, and Panny's going to have a pretty significant advantage there. And, yeah, uh, so I actually totally drew a blank. I just realized where I know uh, Kynesad from. She was on The Ultimate Fighter. Yes. I literally just watched that season, like, not that long ago. The name looks so familiar. I was just, why would I know who this is? Um, she like was just on the ultimate fighter, the Macy Chiasen season. So for those who have caught up on ultimate fighter before this upcoming premiere, she should be familiar to you. I have no idea why I dropped the ball on that. I, I cashed Alexa Davis last time out as a, as an underdog against Sabina Mazo. And I I'm in a similar vein. I think it's dog or pass. I think if you played the dog, I'd have no issue with it. I could see all Alexa Davis could get the W here, but again, you never know what you're going to get out of her. And it's so hard to place a bet on an aging 36 year old when 
last fight out, she looked great. But the last three before that, you're like, who, who the fuck is fighting right now? You know what I mean? So it's tough to put the hard-earned dollars anywhere, sure. near, anywhere near that. Uh, moving on to the prelim card, 7 p.m. Central here for the start of this one. This line absolutely took me for a whirl. It's a featherweight bout between Movzar Evelev versus Hakeem Dawadu. And Dawadu's a top 15 featherweight. And he's coming in here today as a big underdog at plus 190, Evelev minus 230, which is, I know, I know Movzar's a beast, but man, is that a line and a half? No room to work there. I, I think it's an auto pass for me because I, I can't imagine me fading Evelev and I can't imagine me paying that much against a top 15 guy like Dawadu. Yeah, it's definitely a tough price. Akeem, long-rangey striker, good takedown defense. Quick, quick very fast striker. Dowdu right. is as fast as they come. He is quick. Oh, for sure. Um, but Avalov is, is a super well-rounded guy. I mean, he, he's a Tiger Muay Thai-trained stri- striker. I've been vocal in the past that I hold it in the same light as any other top-notch striking gym, maybe even the best in the world. Um, and then he's also a, a Dagestani um, dag fighter trained wrestler. This guy will grind you out wherever the hell you want him to. Um, it's a big test for him getting a ranked fighter. As you said, he should pass the test. I don't love this price for him. Maybe a parlay piece, but I'm, I'm kind of not even comfortable including him there. Yeah, uh, it, this should be a really exciting one. I think that it's going to be an awesome, awesome test for him that he's going to pass. But like I you hope said, he passes. I mean, he's got a great win against Mike Grundy, which you love to see. Uh, Enrique Barzola is a, is a phenomenal striker. He, he's a little bit slower, but maybe a little more technical than Dawadu. But it's not. It's hard to compare. He hasn't fought anyone quite like him. But a Nick Lentz split decision the last time out. That was not split. I don't know what that ref was watching. <laughs> Still, uh, no. Nick Lentz was bleeding his entire face off and. I, don't know. On that, I, don't, uh, I can't even think what round Mozart lost that. Like, I, I don't remember the fight now. I just remember being on that last Poirier McGregor fight. I watched it this morning and I was like, I, I, I watched it on silence. So I don't even know, still don't know which round he lost. I, <laughs> well, there you go. Split Danny, Danny vetoes the split decision unanimous out the gate. But regardless, that line definitely jolted me back a little bit. And I, I hope I don't get tempted into taking the dog, but I no promises. Um, and now, speak of the devil, women's flyweight bout, Lauren Murphy versus JoJo Calderwood. Yeah. Um, Line here, is, I mean, these are both top five flyweights. Um, and you got a line that sits at JoJo Calderwood minus 140, Lauren Murphy plus 120. These are both top five women's flyweight, um, but I think they're very much the epitome of the old guard. I think that you can make a strong case for both. I mean, the two women that I was just talking about, Miranda Maverick and, and Menon Fioro, uh, over both these women in, in striking contests. But that's not what we have here. We've got them at the top of the rankings. The old guard still remains. JoJo's Muay Thai background. Um, I mean, in all honesty, JoJo, the difference between these women is you watch them and JoJo looks like she knows how to fight and Lauren Murphy doesn't. And I don't understand how Lauren Murphy has, has gotten herself 
step by step, brick by brick, to the point where if she wins this, she can call out the fucking world champ, and no one's gonna bat an eye. Uh, it's shocking. It's, Every time it, I see it her, really it doesn't make any sense. It, it, she does not look like she's a good fighter at all. Um, that being said, it is dog or pass here. I, I will really? not be playing any. I oh. will not. I think Calderwood has a huge advantage. I and love JoJo. I've, I find I've, myself on JoJo more often than not. I've faded Lauren Murphy so many times and been I burned. know, and it's bitching the ass. But, like, dude, not even that long ago on The Ultimate Fighter, that's where Lauren Murphy really – She looked old on The Ultimate Fighter, too. She did. I know. And what's so crazy about that is she lost to the names of Nico Montano, who, who ended up winning the show, but we haven't seen her in – oh, my God. Gosh knows how long. She lost to Sajara Eubanks. I mean, that's a tough, tough loss. I mean, that does not age well when you're a top three flyweight in the world or top five. And then after that, man, she won an absolute run. The split decision over Andrea Lee, uh, most recently beating uh, – or two times ago beating Foxy Roxy, who, who I, you know is a fan favorite here. I don't know, man. I think JoJo at minus 140 is, is value, in my opinion. I see a, I echo a lot. No, of I'm right there with you. I, I'm looking at a record. I have bet against Lauren Murphy I, every single five. fight <laughs> since Sajara Eubanks. Um, I, I think that if you if you did play JoJo here, I, I don't think I would bat an eye. Just keep it small because it looks like Lauren Murphy has like a magic stick up her ass or something. It's wild. It makes no sense. But, like, Caitlin Jukakian recently fought for the title. She beat JoJo. Jennifer Maya was a favorite at one point in her title try. And that was her. And, and then she beat Andre Lee's with decision. Jessica I, Ariana Lipsky. I don't know, man. I, I don't really JoJo, see. JoJo, correct me if I'm wrong. JoJo was. She was on the Rose was, Puff. Well she, well, she was given the nod for the title shot. And then she took the Stay Busy fight with Jennifer Maya and got caught in the armbar. So she's, she took yes. the title shot away from herself. Yes. And, kinda, and now she's – oh, You're, you're kind of talking me into it. I think she's coming out here right? bad as hell. She's like arguably that. a win here away, and this might be her easiest test in her last four. I, I don't even think it's arguable. I think maybe even five. Ariana Lipsky. Yeah, maybe even five. Maybe even five. So I, I think 140 is a cheap price, and I'm shocked. you. I was a little shocked you weren't all over it. But, I've just been burned so many times, but I'm talking myself blame. into it. I don't For you blame. listeners, I, don't be surprised if it's on my card. Just stay tuned, everybody. Look look with close eyes here. I, I feel I feel it coming. I feel like if Danny gets maybe one more beer in, he's going to already pause in place. Um, okay, Danny. It's time. Sound, Sound the, the alarm. alarm. Sound the alarm. It is... The ankle lock of the week, the light heavyweight bout between Eric Anders and Darren the Dentist Stewart. Danny and I found ourselves on Eric Anders minus 150, uh, Darren Stewart plus 130, and it opened at Darren Stewart minus 155, which literally makes no sense. But the cap, uh, all the cappers, as well as Danny and I, find ourselves on the side of Eric Anders for the simple reason that we've seen this before. We've seen this already. And without yeah. a DQ, I mean, where how 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 could Darren Stewart possibly get this done, Dan? That's the question. I mean, how how fitting of an ankle lock? We're at UFC 263, Adesanya Vittori two, the night of the rematches. We've got Figgy Moreno two, Comain, and our ankle lock 
is going to be Anders Stewart too. And the thing about this one is it wasn't two years ago. It wasn't three months ago. It was like two months ago. It was – so, sorry, it was exactly three months ago. <laughs> it was three that? months ago. Three months um, ago. We just saw it. But this isn't some like last year. This is literally three months ago. It is less than a camp away um, in a fight where – regardless of the no contest label, Darren Stewart got knocked out. I mean, Herb could have stopped it with a knockout a couple of times before the illegal knee, but then the illegal knee hit and you're not going to, I mean, you were doing the acting job in the octagon of I am knocked out. I don't think that the commission okays this fight being booked three months later. If it's a knockout on his card, there's mandatory rest times. If you get knocked out in the first fucking round, I don't know how this fight is being, at least, at least 90 days. That's not including training camp and stuff. And right, there's less you, than 90 days. Saw, and you saw it with Kutalaba on Goliath. So right. it's, it, I agree. It's an interesting, it's an interesting fight announcement to say the least. But yeah, I mean, breaking it down, Darren's a little faster. He might be a more technical striker, but he's also a lot smaller. Um, Eric is the better grappler. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's longer with his reach. Um, maybe a step slower, but it didn't matter in the first fight. He got Darren's back to the cage, landed rights, landed takedowns. I mean, the finish was there a couple different times. And you, without the knee, it would have happened. I, it, maybe even in the next five seconds, you just land a couple uppercuts to the guy crouching and covering his head. I don't understand how there's a one in front of Eric Anders here. We literally just saw it. And if, if that's not convincing enough, I, I don't know what is. Not only should the fight not be happening, but you got the, uh, the, the should have been Victor anyways before the illegal strike. Capping off the prelim card before we get into the main card challenge for UFC 263. We have a lightweight bout between one of Danny's two of Danny's and the set the spread home cooking match bullshit. We have a lightweight bout between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell, the teammates of Israel Adesanya. Danny. I mean, there's no better person to, to bring this fight over to let's hear it. Yeah. I'm super excited for this fight, but it's a super tough one for me to pick a side on team elevation, city kickboxing, Obviously, two of the best game plan gyms in the world, um, two of the best striking gyms in the world, um, two of the best striking coaches in the world, and Whitman and Behrman. These guys are going to meet in the center of the octagon and bang. Um, Dober is a little bit more sloppy on the feet. He's going to be searching for that KO, I think, for three rounds. Riddell a little sharper, um, more traditional kickboxing experience. Probably is a slightly better cardio I do think Dober has more tools um, in terms of just grappling and, and just being more well-rounded, but I kind of don't see this one getting off the feet. And so Riddell with his cardio edge could be a pretty big factor here. If, if Dober's right hand never lands. Um, this fight is really, it's, it's tough for me to pick. I kind of just lean Dober because there's a little or I lean Riddell because there's a little bit more value and because and, I see Dober having a slight chance of gassing, but I just really I'm just starring this one on my card in terms of don't look away, don't blink. This is gonna be a fucking phenomenal fight. 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking into my crystal bar ball, I would say this definitely is is one of the top favorites to be a potential fight of the night candidate. I'm I'm really excited for this one. I I do wonder though if if Riddell can can bring anything that that Drew Dober hasn't seen. You know what I mean? I mean, he just fought Islam Makachev. For, for for two and a half rounds. And, and it obviously ended in the weirdest choke I've ever seen. But I don't know. I, I feel like Brad Riddell is going to be his easiest test in a while. And I and I I say the word easy lightly because you know how we feel about Brad Riddell on this on this pod. But man, I I don't know. I, I like that line for for Dober. If if I haven't said it yet, it's Dober minus 145 or Dell plus 125. It's come up a little bit, but yeah, I, mean, I just can't see says, myself. I can't Danny see, th- I can't see myself betting against either of these guys. If Danny um, says pass, it's an absolute pass. I, I would never defy him on a fight like this, but man, does, does Drew Dober look tempting for me? I was licking my chops at that 145, but I'd love a unanimous draw here. Just like yeah. so no 10 no. 9, like first round or 10 eight first round i mean i don't i don't have to do the 10 9 10 9 nut check 9 9 <laughs> uh but yeah moral of the story is it, danny danny knows and i'll probably lay off this one but but make sure that you have all your beers and bathrooms and everything done during the lauren murphy jojo calderwood fight because the ankle lock and the lightweight cap are, are, are definitely going to be ones you're going to be glued to your, your tv and uh Kobe, you're up. Main card challenge. Hit us with the standings. Where do we stand? You you love that you're up. You're up. Things that people love. Your boy just took the MCC lead this week. Yours truly jumped ahead of DK. Wow, you're starting off off. the analysis. Yeah, he's starting off the analysis. Kick things off. Instead of country club Kobe, it's going to be sharp capper Kobe. The sharp on the pod. Make Danny and I look like we haven't even seen the sport before. How much am I chasing? Uh, not even a full point. Not even. Okay. You're down by 0.24. I'm coming. I'm in the tall grass. I have like no a hunter, comment. like a lion. I have, I have no comment on the current standings. Well, let's get into it. Main card. UFC 2. So it's going CKDKPRRP. Yep. Man, that rear spot has not been kind to me. Let's let's get into it. Um, first fight. Oh, for those who want to follow along with your pick submissions as well, we use five dimes lines on best fight odds if you want to submit your own picks for the MCC. So first one on the card is a light heavyweight bout between Paul Bearjew Craig versus Jamail Hill, an undefeated Jamail Hill. And the line here, unsurprisingly, is Jamail Hill minus 290, Paul Craig plus 245. Yeah, I went into this looking for a way to play Jamail Hill because I did. Paul Craig's only method to victory here is something on the ground, and I just don't think he'll be able to get it to the ground. That being said, I didn't see enough value on Jamail Hill to do really much of anything else. So I'm, I'm going a little bit heel here. I'm going to take Jamail Hill by decision. Plus 370. 
370 decision. Um, unlike Kobe, I love the sport. I'm going to bet violence. Jamal Hill is not going to get taken down. Jamal Hill is going to win by TKO in round one plus 235. Holy shit. That is such a dog poo line. Um, I'm going to go with Craig by submission plus 500. Yeah, it's a good bet. I knew something like that was coming out of Parker. Um, oh my God. I literally hate this fucking game. Actually, plus 505. Get technical. I'm going to do. Bruh. I'm going to do uh, Jamail Hill. KO, TKO, minus 125. It, I know I should be taking the Hail Marys, but I'm going for the slow chip approach right now. I mean, you're on it, though. Craig's path to victory. We're all on it. Craig's path to victory yeah. is a sub. He's the better grappler. He's got the better strength to schedule. Got to get to the mat. Maybe. He's a veteran, but uh, no real impressive wins. He also has that glass. Do Alonzo Manyfield Alon- – I mean, I, I know Alonzo Manyfield's an absolute tank, but he, like – Knocked him out from like small hammer fist from from full guard. It was yeah. Hill is faster, stronger, better than him, quicker than him. Good takedown defense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't really been tested, but when we're talking next time he's fighting, I'm not gonna think this was a test. Round one knockout. Let's go. Maybe a parlay piece too. Jamal Hill is a good uh, just straight up good parlay ad. Maybe with that Frivola line. Welterweight bout. Damian Maya potentially last time out against Bilal Muhammad, who's fighting on the undercard of the uh, Mr. I poke himself. So line here is Bilal Muhammad minus 225. Damian Maya plus 185. The lines come down a little bit, but seemingly not enough. CK, you're up. I'm going to take Bilal Muhammad inside the distance plus 325. How do you just curious? How do you think he gets that done? I don't think he's gonna resolve him. I don't think he's gonna wrestle him out. So I guess I'm going for a KO or some Very sort possible. of doctor stoppage. But I, I don't know. I liked the number and I didn't find a way to play Blau other than that. I mean, if we're looking at the uh Damian Maya stand up versus Gilbert Burns and versus Ben Asker, and he made Jake Paul look good. Yes, it was really bad. Or the 25 takedown attempts against Tyron Woodley. Um, obviously we've got Muhammad, the better, younger, more active fighter, better striker, better cardio, um, more size. Maya, Maya's the best grappler. One of the best grapplers, sorry, Gracie family. One of the best grapplers of all time in the UFC. Um, Reese, Reese mentioned that it's, it, he said it's not going to be, but I was looking at this like the most, most likely the last time we're going to get to see Damian Maya. Um, you're not going to give me one of the goats of grappling and not have me take him by sub. I really wanted to go Muhammad by decision here. Bala Muhammad's the king of decisions. He's going to get a decision here. Like I, I almost guarantee it, but I'm taking Maya by sub plus 400. That's a stupid line for yeah. literally the, like one of the best submission grapplers this sport has ever seen. Danny, I'm going to go with your uh, your other approach there. I'm going to go with Muhammad by decision, plus 105. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Maya sub. I saw that line, and I almost came in my shorts. 405 for the – for I mean, that's like 
he's like a Charles Oliveira level grappler with finishes in that welterweight division. And it'd be like taking Jordan in one on one versus like Oh, if it hits the mat, the sub is happening. <laughs> it's 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 there's no other. I mean, he's not going to ground and pound Bilal out of there. <laughs> Jordan one-on-one versus like Kuzma tomorrow. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, dude. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure I would still take Jordan in that, so. That's what I'm doing, taking Maya by sub. Let's do it. Me too. I would not take Jordan in that, but that's not here nor there. Um, welterweight bout. Now, this one's going to be hard to pick your spot, so get ready, gentlemen. Leon Edwards versus Nate the Great Diaz. I know that's not his name. Uh, Leon Edwards is minus 600. Nate Diaz plus 450. Yeah, tough to find real value in this one. So I went crazy. I'm going crazy with it. This is a five-round fight. Wait, what? What? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How? This is a five-round fight. It was booked as a five-round initially for 262. And... That that goes into my picks too, Kobe and Reese. Wow. Okay. Proceed. Proceed. My pick is Nate Diaz by KOTKO plus eighteen hundred. Oh my god. I mean, he's I, if there's anybody that I think can just stand around and you know go through five rounds and maybe get lucky plus eighteen hundred, I'll, I'll I'll give it to Nate's chin. I don't hate it. I kind of hate it. Um, <laughs> Nate Diaz, as I mentioned with the Anthony Pettis thing, hasn't had a good win in, in forever. I mean, if we're talking his good win as the um, McGregor one yeah. with Connor coming up from fucking featherweight on short notice, like with staff infection, okay. Like, yeah, best win of your career, dude. Um, but somehow that made him a star. And this win over Anthony Pettis with a broken foot has somehow made him – like giving him the ability to just pick and choose whenever the hell he wants to fight versus whoever. I don't understand why the hell he picked Leon right now. Who's a real contender, legit title contender. Let welterweight. He's going to piece him up. Um, I, I was looking on best uh, fight odds because I really want to take a doctor stoppage prop. I think that scar tissue from Nate Diaz is going to be <laughs> ripped up. Like Leon Edwards is going to piece him up. But instead, I'm going to get super cute, and I'm weighing – I'm either going to take Leon Edwards to win in round three or Leon Edwards to win in round four simply because I can't take TKO in round three or round four. But if that line comes out, I want to bump my odds to the TKO. Um, I'm going – I'm going to pick round three because I think Edwards wants to prove a point. Plus, plus 900 to win in round three right now. Um, if the TKO line comes out, I want TKO, which is going to be over plus 900 for Leon Edwards round three. Give me that scar tissue doctor stoppage. Isn't that line plus 875 right now? I'm what? staring at Edwards in round three plus 900. Staring at 875. Anywho, I'm going to go Edwards wins round four. Where was my, I lost my line. I'm seeing it at 12. I see it at 875. Yeah, I see Edwards round four at 1475. 1475. That's where it is. I was seeing it at 12 and nine. I'm going to hit refresh. Yeah, refresh that, John. You're off. Um, I, I'm going Nate Diaz by sub. 
Connor all over again. The storyline I see, and Leon's Mister Inactive. I can't even tell if he's like overrated or underrated at this point. He's one of the two. He's not perfectly rated. If you Either. if you put me in a situation where I had to pick one fight result, gun to my head, and you would pull the trigger if I lost it, it'd be this Leon Edwards over Nate Diaz. Congratulations for taking the minus six hundred on that egregious call, Dan. I just said a plus nine hundred line. No, no, no. I, wait. You're taking a gun to the head at the plus nine. Oh, no, no. I'm, okay, yeah, whatever. No, I'm just, that, no way in hell that Nate Diaz wins this. Like, he is legitimately never looked good at 170. Never once in his life. Nate Diaz by submission, plus 1185. Give it to me. So, Danny, you're on the most – you're on the safest line, plus 875. And when, when it happens, I'm going to call Dan drunk, screaming poha. That's what's going to happen. Poha. Nate Diaz is not even going to know what's going on. So can we get a moral of the story here? There's no value in betting this any one way or another. Like we're no, all just enjoy, just enjoy the five round spectacle that won't get that far. Let's just enjoy it. Um, okay. Now, now, now we're getting into some business. Flyweight co-main event, Diverson Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno. The line is, Figueroa minus two ten, Brandon Moreno plus one seventy five. We've seen this one recently. Danny's adamant that it was Figgy's without the point deduction. Everyone agrees because the scorecards proved it. Kobe, where are you on this one? Yeah, I I don't see this one going five rounds again. Um, I'm taking Figueroa inside the distance plus 120 i'm a little bit worried about the club and sub versus just the, the strikes so i'm i'm gonna stick with inside the distance and i like that i like that very biggie i like that yeah that's a that's a great call uh, as reese mentioned if the point doesn't get taken away this was a unanimous decision that doesn't get run back uh, it was pretty fun but i mean we all saw it did, like even without the reach advantage Figgy was getting his jab to work. He was, I mean, he's better than Moreno everywhere. Having to cut weight twice in three weeks for the last fight is something that you shouldn't have to do at any point in time in your career, especially if you're as big of a flyweight as Figgy is. Not to mention he was literally in the hospital the night before the fight with food poisoning. Dana's confirmed that. Ariel's confirmed that. Um, You have Figgy not in the hospital the night before. I got to imagine he performs even just the slightly slightest better. Um, damn you, Kobe, you, you really pushed me because I wanted to just go Deuce to Guerra by finish, but yeah, I'm I'm riding with you. Deuce to Guerra by finish, Biggie gets it done, and still, he's most dominant flyweight alive right now. This is my favorite line i'm gonna take today so that's a high one here um figgy sub plus 700 i'm on that too fuck i was gonna gain ground figgy sub plus 700 that's a gorgeous looking line that was the one i was eyeing and if it hits the mat too like that seems really high especially because we sub joe benny who's i imagine better technical i might actually place this one yeah that actually might see my card as well uh, Fuck, but I, I want to join y'all. Full disclosure, I do also want to sprinkle Brandon Moreno a little bit. I know Danny's advising against it. I, I hear you loud and clear, but 
but I might do a slight like half uni sprinkle on the on the Moreno. I think Moreno got soundly beat in the first fight, and Figgy's coming in just Jocelyn's more prepared, Jocelyn. full camp too. I didn't even mention that. Jocelyn. Full camp. Yeah, they were both on three weeks camp. They they fought on the same card, and then uh, what was that like November twentieth, right before Thanksgiving, and then fought December tenth, give or take. Look at you with your dates. Your rain man. Middleweight main events. I don't have the energy to yell and scream about the other side like once before. But I will let my Italian brother and do the speaking for me this week. We have a middleweight main event between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Yeah. The line egregiously being Israel Adesanya minus 260 will probably get higher. And Marvin Vittori plus 220. Oh, my God. If that's not a poha, I don't know what is. I don't know who you're referring to as your Italian brethren to get into it, because I think that you're, you've got the most Italian roots on the pot. But... That's what I'm saying. My Italian brethren is Marvin Vittori. Oh, okay. That could be close. It could be close. Um, I, I'm just going to – I'm going to finish tapping my pot and clear the stage for you guys. Uh I'm taking Vittori by decision, really, because I like the line. Uh, what is it? What plus four oh five. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. I feel like I should just go as well, clear the stage for these two. Go, for go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Fergie. Adesanya, round two, plus 650. And I generally wouldn't take Adesanya, but here we are. Yeah, no, so – just you can already mark that off as now no big deal there. The Tory doesn't get finished. Us Italians, we don't get finished. When was the last time Vittori was in a five round fight? When was the last time he lost a split decision to quote unquote a good chance? All right, all right. Well, let, let's let's start <laughs> there because the split decision talk needs to stop. Like, Vittori did not win the first fight. He, he lost the first two rounds. He won the third. Liar. Whatever. Wrong. But, like, he, he literally – there's no way in hell that Vittori won the first fight. And any argument against that, like, I will not hear. Um, the thing for me, though, even as an AZ fan, the game plan's written. There's nothing that Jan did that Vittori can't do. Um, the only thing that, that scares me about Vittori is um, similar, honestly, to – the Darren Stewart thing after Vittori fought with Kevin Holland, um, not the night of like after he got his wits about him and was talking about the title shot next, he was saying I could do it in October, maybe September. June is not September. June is not October. Um, this is, this is very much a quick turnaround, a turnaround quicker than he himself said he was initially comfortable with. Um, and that, that makes me a little bit worried for him. I think I, played my hand a little bit on the set the spread episode and Reese mentioned it with the Poha. You're going to see Vittori on my card come Saturday. I'm not going to be happy about it. Um, <laughs> it's definitely the right pick to make the game plans out there. I think that the large cage should probably favor Izzy um, not to take away from him. He's one of the best and most sophisticated strikers I've ever seen in any combat sport in UFC history for sure. Um, he's also probably on roids. I know we had that whole thing with his nipple, like 
absolutely inflating and then deflating. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. I mean, and he, like whatever he got cleared by the doctor and now he's refusing to show anyone the note to me, to me that that's, that screams illicit substance, allegedly, whatever. I'm not going to throw blame out there, but it's, it's really, really tough to pick against him. I'm going to pick against him on Saturday, but you can't get me to pick against him right now. Not for free. Absolutely not in the MCC. Um, the way I see this going, Vittori is going to come out hot, going to come out hard in the first two rounds. Uh, multiple takedowns, both rounds. I think he's going to win both. I think then he's going to get a little tired. Like I said, he's never been in a five-rounder. I think you get him into round three, start playing with Izzy's feints, starting thinking, get in his own head a little bit. I'm going Israel Adesanya wins by TKO KO in round four plus 1600 obviously i don't think vittori is going to go to sleep like uh robert whitaker or, or i think it's going to be more similar to the Paulo. i think there's going to be a lot of strikes at a, from a lot a lot of different angles and he's going to kind of crumble against the fence and he's going to keep hammering away and it's going to be a tko plus 1600 lock it in you act like vittori just found out yesterday that this is going to be a five-round fight no, but he just found out yesterday that he doesn't have to wait a couple months and have a full training camp. No. He just fought yesterday, bro. He's fine. We were just talking Hollow and Vittori, and he said, I can't do this yet. He's fine. But he got offered. He got pressured by the media. He said, I'm not going to say no to that fight. That's the fight I've been asking for since the first one. He, he is from a little – he's fighting out of a little town in, in Italia. Called he's fighting out of Sacramento, King's MMA, motherfucker. He's fighting out of this little town in Italia, Mezzo Corona. No cap. He is going to demolish this man like the virus that dismantled the liberals. And I am going to ride him into victory like you have no fucking idea. This man, this Italian man, this 27 year old Italian man, does not have a glass chin like Bob Whitaker. Okay. He has, he is glass so chin like Bob Whitaker. Are you kidding me? He Try is, going fucking 50 minutes with Yoel. He is, are you kidding me? Bolted. No, it, it, the Yoel fights gave Bob Whitaker that issue. He is sculpted <laughs> from Leonardo da Vinci himself. And the man packs thunderous power like we, that, like Izzy hasn't seen yet before. Hasn't seen yet before. Don't say Paulo Costa. He just Costa. fought up a division. Dude, Paulo he just Costa. fought at 205. You think, come on, do not, do not front with me. If we're getting, if we're taking Izzy, or not Izzy, we're taking Marvin Vittori and Jan Blahovic to the UFC fan experience before the fight, and we're having them hit that punch thing that gives you the number, Jan Blahovic is getting a fucking bigger number than I Marvin Vittori 30 out of 30 times. And everyone called me a clown. I now ride Marvin Vittori plus 220. And, and no one's calling you a clown. clown. I'm, with, I'm there you with you. You're not calling me a clown. but I'm saying that Jan Bohovic hits harder than him, and you saying that Izzy has never seen power like Marvin is a stupid that, comment. It was a, little bit of, it was a little bit hyperbolic. Okay. I'm trying to gas up my Italian. Not to mention that he's Vittori. actually seen Vittori's power. He's coming off of seeing more. Like that, That's not going to prove anything. Since Vittori's last fight with Izzy, who do you think has made bigger improvements? Since Vittori's Honestly. last fight with Izzy. I mean, I, 
you're you're uh, shooting yourself in the foot here though no, because Izzy had though. way more room to improve. Izzy's been working on his grappling the whole time. Vittori was much more well well rounded than they fought. Izzy has improved way more. Time. How has that how has that worked out for him? Izzy has improved way more. Uh, it's worked out for him pretty well. He's holding okay. gold in your division, bro. Yeah, well, not for long. I'm not even worried about it. Moral of the story, sorry. We're getting bogged down in absolute nonsense. I want to take Marvin Vittori plus 220, but realistically, he's not going to knock out Izzy. I'm not a fool. I'm not a fool. He's not going to sub Izzy. I'm, I'm, I don't believe. I'm going to go Vittori wins by decision. I know Danny thinks he's not going to be able to go five. That remains to be seen. And, and let's see. I, I, I think he's got the heart and the gas to go the full five. All right, we're, we're getting bogged down by Donovich. Any last words before we coast into the weekend? Beers chilled and, and the Tory flags raised. Anything? May the sweep continue. Um, let's fucking go. All right, follow us on socials, boys. Let's interact. Parker, get after it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.